Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, Truth Seekers. You're listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com, and I'm your host, Michael Fordham. Look, if you just click the link on my webpage or you're listening on blogtalkradio.com or even the Blog Talk Radio player on my Facebook page and you want to call in live, look, we'd love to talk with you. So give us a call. The number is 347-326-9470. Or if you like, you can tweet me your questions and comments at twitter.com slash a measure of truth. Also, if you haven't yet, why don't you look me up on Facebook? I'm the Michael Fordham with a photo of me in studio, and you can always email me your questions and comments at a measure of truth at gmail.com. Look, we got a great show for you today. We'll be right back after this. Terry E. Lyle is a prolific writer that enjoys good conversations and appreciates the many blessings that God has bestowed upon her. Her stance on honesty is unwavering. Her main goal that she wishes to achieve out of this life is to be able to love, reach out, train and share knowledge with compassion through public speaking or within the pages of her many books. Terry E. Lau has a passion for children and their mental and emotional growth, including her watchful eye of protection. Always vigilant about equal rights and willing to be a mouthpiece for the underdog. With her colorful personality and inner glow, it's hard not to love her. Terry E. Lyle, welcome to A Measure of Truth. Well, hello, everybody. Good to be here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Hello, Terry. Good to have you on. And um, oh, we've wow. got so much to talk about. I don't even know where to start, but I hope you even have a, a poem or something for us, you know, <laughs> that we can also well, share live. But we'll go ahead and we'll dig into that a little later on. But just tell us a little bit about yourself and um, what people may want to know about you as far as your background and um, what brought you to becoming a writer. Okay, well, I'm originally from Baltimore, Maryland. I am the youngest out of uh, five siblings. I was next to youngest, but my sister passed away. And I'm a preacher's kid. My grandfather was also a minister, as well as a whole lot of males in my family. So I was grown up into the church, and I was, you know, introduced to the relationship that I has built with Christ, and I appreciate that. You know, I live currently in Alabama, and the thing is, growing up as a PK kid, it was very strict, and I learned... You know, when I shouldn't have done at an early age, I learned how a young girl should be a young lady. 
and I appreciate that because today when you look at young ladies, man, they're not acting like young ladies. And I'm currently also the Bible school teacher at my church, and I mentor ages from 4 to like 11, and I get so much joy in that because their minds are like sponges. Whatever you tell them, man, they suck it up, you know, and you put that footprint on their heart because if people don't learn to have a relationship with Christ, eventually when they go through something, they don't know where to turn. And that's what saved me all the days of my life is knowing about Christ because we all go through some ups and downs. And I have my own personal testimony, but thank God for Jesus that, you know, I knew him, so I knew where to go when all hope felt lost. Mm, Wow. So I went ahead and posted, you know, the the cover of um, your book, Exposed, and uh, (laughs) it's quite a contrast to what you just said. So tell people a little bit about um, this story, uh, what's it about, and then where did you get this story and its origin? You know, um, where did you actually come up with a concept like that? But first, just tell them a little bit about what it's about. Okay, my book exposed is, is just like what it says. It exposed some truth. The difference between this particular book was just me and my editor. I would say one thing, and then he would say the flip side. Like, I would talk about the fragrance of faith, and he would talk about non-belief, you know. And it was just a good thing to see how it bounced off of each other. And all of my books, really, Mike, you know, it's like it's real talk, you know. I've been through some things, you know. I've almost been raped. Praise God, it wasn't, you know, I've been locked up, you know, because as a preacher's kid, and I became of age, I ran to California to find out what it was I was told not to do. And through that, I've learned that somebody got to be able to reach these babies so they don't follow the same pattern that I followed because I knew better from Jump Street, and I just don't want nobody doing the same thing I did. And a lot of times, people will not listen if you don't have no scars. So, you know, I have wounds, you know, that I'm willing to take a hit for the team and expose it because I'll be embarrassed and I'll take the stupidity, uh, you know, mark. I'll do it because we all need to be able to reach somebody and bring them along, and you can't do it unless you've never been where they're going to be at. Wow. Wow. Now, now, I understand your testimony and, and your passion for what you're trying to do, but, you know, real talk. When you put it out there and you're in the church, man, sometimes that can come back to you and um, <laughs> kind of bite you pretty it hard. So, has. Yeah, it yeah. So, and, and, and you don't mind that. And you continue to do what you do the way you do it, even though. Yes. And I'm going to tell you what happened. You know, uh, like my first book, Brownback Poetry, that was a collection of everything that I've experienced in life. I touched on it, whether it's about. Uh, being spiritual, uh, somebody on drugs, somebody being hurt, somebody, you know, in the hospital. It's a combination of things, including sexual explicit material, which I don't recommend nobody buy and put it on the coffee table. But anyway, when I wrote that book, one of the sisters in the church says, Sister, yeah, why do you write that book? La, 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 man. She started sitting two rows behind me in the church. She didn't want nothing to do with me. And some of the other ladies, they didn't want to hug me no more. I said, whoa, you know, but in my spirit, I felt like, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are lost, a lot of people out there who feel like nobody loves them. And I want them to see by what I wrote that, you know, I've been to these places, the dark side, you know, and look at me now. God has saved me. I'm the Bible school teacher, and it shows me how I want to teach as well. You know, I don't tell no child nothing that's for an adult, you know, mind to, to receive, but, you know, I make it plain. And then one Sunday I was coming out of church, one of the sisters came to me and said, Sister, now, um, can I get one of your books? I'm saying, well, baby, which book do you want? Because, you know, I got a whole bunch of books out there, nine that is published under my name and a couple of ghost written, and I'm working on my 10th book, uh, my autobiography, and she said that first one, the nasty one. So, you know, it is what it is. A lot of these phony church people, you know, and y'all know who y'all are. Y'all sitting out here in church making people don't want to come back because you're not real with it. I don't care how long you've been in the church. Man, you got to keep it real 
And if we see a sister messing up or she wearing her clothes too short and looking like a hoochie, put her size of baby, the baby, the baby. You ain't got to do it like that. You know, instead of judging somebody and pointing a finger, because when you point a finger, you got to be pointing back at you. Wow. I, I, and I still don't see. <laughs> I don't see a transition point because you, you, well, why do you write the way you do beyond, you know, exposing, you know, oh, okay. the life that you oh, live? Okay. And, uh, okay. um, I'll tell you why. Sure. <laughs> I got you. Now, the reason why, Michael, is because I used to be a tractor trailer instructor, and I was in Interstate 90 in Syracuse, New York, and I had just gotten rid of my students, and I ran into a blizzard. I mean, it was bad. It was only like two lanes that was merging to one, and it was so bad, the snow blizzard, that the snow was coming horizontally at you. Anyway, as I was going over the edge, I started trying to turn my, my steering wheel back towards the roadway, and the fifth wheel is a connection between the tractor and the trailer, and it broke. And the trailer was teetotaling over the edge, and the tractor part that I was in, I flipped over about four times. They had to cut me out of the truck, you know, and it's by the grace of God that I'm still here. And doing that epiphany, what I've learned about myself was it's not about the money I was flashing. It wasn't about the things that I have accumulated. It was about my relationship with people, you know, and so it was like a light bulb went off. So now is when I started just being real about everything. I stopped lying. I'm talking about I don't even do the little white lies, the things you say so you want to hurt myself. I don't lie. I'm just wrong with the truth. You either love me or you don't, and I know that God loves me. And so I keep trying to be a warrior, a person who's trying to bring souls to Jesus, and I got to bring them with the truth because you can't tell a lie because if you tell a lie, then you got to figure out who you told it lie to and then it builds on top of each other. And that's when my epiphany, the way I write started, is because I realized, you know, all these things, these dressings and the cars and the money and all of those fancy stuff you have, that don't mean a thing because even with that, my life was hanging by a thread and God saved me. And that is why I don't change I do it. I just try to be honest with the little babies, and I just talk in their vernacular so they can understand what they need to know. Hmm. Wow. And um, let me ask another question, because <laughs> I, I got questions from all different directions. Oh, knock, knock them out. <laughs> Has your pastor read any of your books? Yes, he has. And, you know, I was wow. surprised because I was a little afraid for him to read it. But he said he loved it. And I said, really? He said, yes. He said, because, Terry, we was put here to appropriate, okay? And he said, which made a lot of sense, he said, usually if a person is making it seem like the part of your book that's sexual, that is a no-no, they're phonies. He said, only unless you've been raped and you didn't enjoy it. Most people, when they are intimate, it's a... Uh, combining of the minds and the hearts together, and they're enjoying it. So because I'm talking about sex, he said, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the people who want to make it dirty for whatever reasons inside of them, that they think, oh, my God, you're talking about that. But, you know, and I also start from the jump, let people know this book is not for minors, you know. This is for mm-hmm. adults, and, and it's just the truth. And I was surprised. My mother, man, she get right to Years old uh, on the 25th of this month. That's her favorite book. So let's just talk a little bit about your upbringing (laughs) and that that point in which you transition and 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 this is something I've seen over and over and over again. Especially, you don't necessarily have to be a preacher's kid, but people who were brought up in really, really strict environments. And I'm not saying all of them, but many of them, when they get away, um, go to college or whenever they get out on their own, they seem to go through a a period where they just really just fly out of control because there is no longer that guidance. They no longer have to sneak and figure it out anymore and they're on their own. So let's just talk about that point in your life. Um, What was that like for you? Well, it was after I had turned 18, I got married, and I was escaping, you know, like you said, that critical, very stern upbringing. And then when I was with my husband, he got me as a good good girl. You know, 
I was calm. I wouldn't use a profanity. I wasn't spoiled and ruined by the world yet, okay? And uh, then he cheated on me. And I said, oh, my goodness. And uh, we had a baby. And I started becoming a paramedic, a defining father. And in Baltimore, at that particular time, they were very racist. And they tried everything they could to get me quit because they told me to my face that no black woman deserves a job that a white man can have sitting there family. And I'm saying, what? And, you know, and so it was like a transition from, uh, you know, being stern, you know, and then getting married, and then being disillusioned, then going to blatant uh, racism, you know, and all those things that I getting was the reason why I moved to California. And then I kind of like went buck wild. I wanted to do everything that I was told was wrong because I wanted to speak on myself because I felt that the Terry, Terry, um, I have to interrupt you because you're breaking up. I don't understand what's going on, but I can barely understand you. I'm not sure if it's going out over the air like that or not. But um, we're going to try to fix that real quick. And I'm just going to play a segment and um, give us a couple of minutes to check this out, and we'll be right back after this, okay? Okay, that's fine. Okay. If I may paraphrase Stephen King, the most important things are the hardest things to say. These are the things you feel ashamed of because mere words only diminish the thought. You see, words shrink things that seem limitless when they were in our hearts and minds to no more than just living size when brought out into the open. Oh, but it's more than that, isn't it? You see, the most important things lie too close to wherever your secret heart is buried. Like landmarks to a treasurer, your enemies would love to steal away and use against you at the worst possible moment. But still, you make revelations that cost you dearly, only to have people look at you like you're crazy, not understanding what you've said at all or why you thought it was so important that you almost cried when you were saying it. Do you know what's even worse than that? Is when the secret stays locked within and you can't get it out. Not for want of the courage to talk about it, but for want of someone who will just listen. Just listen. As someone who spends a great deal of time searching for the truth, the lesson that I've learned from this quote is, if you want the truth, you have to be prepared to release all judgment and be open enough to hear and accept the truth in whatever form it might take. Judgment alters the truth by changing how it's told or presented. Not accepting the truth stops the bearer from sharing the truth. Ignoring the truth kills ambition and is a recipe for disaster and makes success impossible. We all over the years have learned to guard ourselves against deception, but I've also come to realize that in most cases, you don't even have to discover or discern the truth. You just have to let it be and see it for what it is. Maybe you have a story too. It doesn't have to be just like the one we've heard. Hey, I just want to let you know, I'm here. And I'm willing to listen. All I ask from you is a measure of truth. Welcome back, Truth Seekers. We're on with author Terry E. Lyle on a measure of truth. I think we got everything worked out now, Terry. Wonderful, wonderful. All right. Now, I you were just in... The really good part, I might have to edit this or something, but you were talking about how you sort of went out and your um, life sort of changed on you based on your husband um, uh, cheating on yeah. you. So, yeah, let's get back to that and, and tell us how you your response was to that and um, how that really sort of sent you on this spiral. Well, you know... I have I met my ex-husband at the age of 13 and I never ever been with anybody and 
I was so afraid to uh, have intercourse because my mom drilled it into me and my sister's head that was dirty. So for four and a half years, I was able to tell him, no, 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 no. Like Beyonce say, put a ring on it. But my brother came home from school and told me one day that my ex-husband, other girls that were promiscuous, was coming on to him. And I was so amazed because this guy was tall, light-skinned, very attractive, to sing like Smokey Robinson, and he wanted me. And I couldn't believe why would he wanted me because all I was skinny, had dimples, and had flat feet. I said, hmm. So I decided I was going to do it, you know, and that was devastating. And uh, I, I panicked. I freaked out. I couldn't wear white. And so that was it, and that was all. And so he made me his wife, you know, six months later when I was 18. But, you know, everything was fine until I found some new pictures behind his when I went to visit my mother-in-law, you know, and uh, I was devastated because I had never been with anybody and he cheated on me. So I'm saying to myself, wow, is this what being mature and grown was like? So um, he cheated on me, and he said it was because by me being a virgin, I didn't know what to do in the bedroom, so, okay, that's fine. You could have taught me. So I moved to California, and then being told what I couldn't do, what I didn't know, eventually I wanted to experiment with everything because I wanted to know firsthand. And so it was a when call- you went to California, does that mean you left him? Into the curb right away. Hmm. Because, you know, at that particular time, I had never been with anybody else, so I didn't have a gauge where I could say, well, let's work through it, let's get some counseling, because I was naive. I was young, didn't know anything, and I just Mm -hmm. thought, you messed up, that's it, that's all. How old were you when you moved? When I moved, mm, let me see, about 23. Mm Mm-hmm. And this was the only person I knew all my life, you know, and I couldn't share what was going on with my mother or my sister. And I didn't want to tell nobody because I didn't want them to say, yeah, you stupid, you don't know nothing. And that's that's the thing with young girls. A lot of times Mm -hmm. we feel stupid and we let ourselves get caught up into what God tell us. We say he loves us. We think, okay, somebody loves us, you know, and it's different from your family. We fall into that trap. But you know something? If a person really loves you, he will wait till you do it the right way. He married first, you know, put God up in it first, and it'll work out. But see, when you put the world in it, it's a mess. Mm-hmm. And my life just took a wild turn uh, when I went to California, God forbid, you know. But that was over 30-some-plus years ago, and I had gotten to the thing. I was selling drugs. I started mm-hmm. swinging because I wanted to know what it was. I didn't know why. My husband cheated on me, you know, and my mom was just going through so much stuff, and I just knew that if I go to California, could nobody call back home and say the preacher's kid is doing this and doing that, you know. Right. And so a lot of things I learned I didn't want to learn, trust mm-hmm. and believe. I got yeah. this one guy, this one guy, and this guy was crazy. You know, he was so jealous. When I would go to the store, you know, and I put an eyeliner, he was thinking I was trying to meet somebody. So one particular time, he took and glued the door frame of the door so I couldn't open the door from inside the house. He had broken the phone up like a mobile. I'm two floors up in this apartment. And, you know, I'm not that athletic type of person who's leaping and running and all that. So I'm looking over the balcony when he had left one time to see how can I get out of here. And I said, oh, no, I can't do this. But something motivated me to go ahead and try Man, I had thorns and thistles in my head. I mean, I was hurt and bruised, and I ran to my car. And when I got to my car, there was no steering wheel. The locks were oh. off. The wires under the car was taken out. The battery, the tires was flat. And then I heard the motorcycle coming that he used to ride. Man, I was petrified. So I went and hid behind some bushes. And then when he went inside the apartment, I ran the other way. And God kept me, you know, because another time when... um he had gone to work. I had got the car towed. I had got it fixed. I had ran through all my money at Santa Hotels. And then I wound up broke and homeless, and I didn't know what to do. But God led me to go to the police station at night, and I slept there in my car because I figured wouldn't nobody come to a police station to do anything, so I felt safe. 
So my life went through a lot of ups and downs, and I just want to share that, you know, don't get caught up in materialistic things. You get one life and make it count, you know. If you got mm-hmm. God, he'll get you through the rough times because those were some rough times, trust me. And I tell you yeah, that story. Yeah. And, and it's amazing how the decisions that are made when you're trying to escape and you operate out of fear or anger or any emotion, you know, you, you took yourself away from anybody who could help you, anyone who knew you, exactly. anyone who Isolate cared myself. about you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you put yourself out there in the world with nothing, absolutely nothing to fall back on. And oftentimes young people do just that only because they feel that they are seeking and wanting freedom. And um, mm-hmm. it's overrated. It's it's very overrated. You know, you know Mike, another problem that we have in the day, people don't believe it's true in the United States, is that human trafficking is real. They're taking these oh, young, yeah. impressionable children female as well as male, and putting them in mm. sex rings, you know, and then they're uh, pumped with drugs, they're beating, you know, they're treated like cattle, you know, and when these young people out there and they lost and they're too embarrassed to call home, they just need to understand that that mother or that father don't care what you did. They want their baby home safe. It's going to be all right. Just make the call. Call collect. Just do it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've done quite a few shows on human trafficking as well, and um, heard some some yeah. real horror stories. And it's um, it's amazing that it's going on in any community, uh, regardless yeah. of what your income level is or whatever the demographic is. That is going on there. So um, it's just very sad to see. But again, um, so you were out there, and let's talk about how you found your way back. What actually clicked in your head that made you understand that it was time for you to leave this life behind? Okay, well, it wasn't what you thought it was. It was the fact that, you know, I started selling crystal meth, you know, and uh, started doing things that normally I wouldn't have done. But anyway, when I started selling drugs, you know, you started getting people who want to uh, barter and give you jewelry for drugs, whatever. This one lady tried to give me her son to get some drugs, man. So I kept her son at my house for a few hours, fed the baby, bought some pampers and everything, and told her to clean herself up. You know, so she got mad because I didn't give her any drugs. So she called the feds on me. So I started hiding out in different places like, you know, in the storage facilities of people who manage the place. I gave them some drugs that had me locked in at nighttime with their dogs patrolling so couldn't nobody get in. I turned one of those big, you know, storage facilities into, like, I had a bed, I had a portable toilet, you know, and I knew that when the feds started looking for me, this was not the life for me because I ain't trying Mm. to do jail, you know. So Mm. one Mm. of my employees, employees there, employers there, uh, I asked him uh, to help me get a plane ticket because I had used up all my money. Uh, I couldn't buy no more drugs and be out in the street because they was looking for me. So what stash I had, I used it to pay to eat as well as I did all my things together that I wanted to ship home. He got me a plane ticket and sent me home, and I thank him for that because it let me know that, you know, someone saw something in me other than me just being making bad choices. So mm-hmm. I, I'm grateful mm-hmm. for that. And I knew I had to go home because for me, California was Sodom and Gomorrah. It was just too many things that were so easy to get caught up, caught up in. And I was getting caught up and I didn't like how I was, the person I was. You know, something really interesting about your story is you said that you went ahead and set up a situation where, you know, you were hiding out in a storage facility, but you really mm-hmm. just pretty much made your own prison. Right. Right. Yeah. And you were only locked up for a time, but that's really mm-hmm. what you were doing, you know? So it, sometimes when you try to avoid um, paying for, paying the price for whatever you've done wrong, um, mm-hmm. You, you react in the wrong ways. I mean, you, you think about that. Um, yeah, I was even homeless. That's Vincent Paul, you know. And I thanked them for that shelter because they gave me a, a clean environment. I got mm-hmm. a job in the kitchen, 
you know, they they helped me uh, look for work. But, you know, there was something in me that knew that everything was bad. Everything was out of my norm. I was cussing. I was Mm, uh, mm. selling drugs. I was doing crystal meth. You know, I was being in in swingers groups. But the reason I'm doing that was because I wanted to learn about sex because my husband cheated because I was naive about sex. So I was just doing everything. Well, I didn't feel you, you weren't good. really doing that because you wanted to learn. You were actually doing that because you were really, uh, I think in some way you were trying to get back at him. You, you know, know, it was. I just, I just thought, no, I don't think it was that. I really just think that, you know, I felt stupid because I had nobody to talk about sexual matters with. And mm-hmm. I knew that somewhere down the road I wanted to be in love again. And I just wanted to know what it was, you uh, know, I needed to know. And I would tell you something. It might sound a little risque uh, why I wanted to do that. And if you allow me, but it's the truth. And it, it will make sense to my story. Because one of the reasons was, you know, it sounds crude, and I'm not trying to be crude, is just that in the midst of having intercourse with my ex-husband, I didn't know the sensations that I was feeling when my legs was tingling. I didn't know what I should scream out in ecstasy. I didn't know what to do, and I was afraid that I might urinate on on somebody opposed to climax, and, and I felt so stupid. Who could I ask? So all these mm. things, you know, I just felt like I don't know nothing. I'm dumb, you know? Mm. So you were actually embarrassed and um, about sex. Mm-hmm. You really just didn't know anything, and sort of the things that you had been taught kept seeping in and taking over um, that experience for you. Yeah, well, the only thing I was taught that it was dirty, it was nasty. My mother, mm. man, she was fanatic about that. You know, as soon as we got our menstrual cycles, me and my sister, you know, every month she was making sure she was counting that we had a menstrual cycle. If we didn't, y'all touching the little boys? No, I wasn't. You know, but she made it sound like, oh, gross, don't ever do that. So, you know, I didn't get a healthy uh, introduction to sex as far as conversation goes. It was always nasty, you know, and my, Right. I felt right. so embarrassed a whole lot of levels. Terry, though, but we, we, we had to talk about something else, though. You, you you said you were in drugs. So how long ago did all of this occur, and how did you get out of that life, and how did you get off drugs? Okay, well, that's probably about maybe, I don't know, about 32 years ago or so. And the way I got off of it is because this one female I knew, she kept asking me, come to her church, come to her church. And I really only went because she got on my nerve, asked me over and over again. And I felt like, you know, I know about church. I know about God. I'm a preacher's kid, you know. But I went, and this particular minister, he was talking about ostrich alert. And his message was that an ostrich will go around and around in the same circle, have their babies, don't protect them, and keep making the same downfalls. And he related that to our life. We keep making the same mistakes like an ostrich, and we don't do the right thing. And so after the sermon, he asked everybody who wanted to come up, you know, to the altar, come up for prayer. And I stood up, and I stepped back down. And this one lady, she came from off the wall and said, Miss, don't sit down, come, I'll walk with you. And I was so nervous. And when I went up there, you know, this time I didn't tell a lie. You know, sometimes you go to business churches and you'll say, pray for me and I do better. But you never say, pray for me because I'm on drugs. Pray for me because I've messed up. You know, and I was just honest. And something like when I got baptized, I had a new energy inside of me that right away, no more smoking cigarettes, right away, nobody in my house who smoke or do drugs, right away, it was instant, you know, and mm. it was like a miracle, and this is real talk, it was no going to no uh, rehab, none of that, it was right away, as soon as I got baptized, I had a new energy, and I was pumped up, and I had a clean slate, and I didn't want to blemish that. Mm. Wow. Just like that. Just like that. So I know God is real because mm-hmm. he did it for me. You know, a lot of people had to go to different programs and mess up and go back. No, it was a one-shot deal. When I got baptized and I honestly told the truth what I wanted to repent of before I went under, 
you know, he saved me. It's just like you when you feel like when you've been rested for a lot of hours and you woke up and somebody told you got a whole lot of money and everything is right. I was just pumped up and energized. You know, it was a supernatural thing, and it happened just like that. So I can't speak for other people, but people are amazed, and they call it willpower. They ain't got nothing to do with willpower. It's God. I let him use me. I just was honest with God because God knew my heart anyway, but I was honest with myself and I put myself down before God, and I said, just, you know, fix me. I'm tired of this life. Just fix me. Hmm. Wow. So when did you decide to, to come back home or at least come back to the um, East Coast? Uh, I, I started coming back to the East Coast after, you know, a stint with uh, being in a shelter and hiding out in the hiding out in the storage facilities, and when I flew back home, that was probably uh, maybe uh, 1987, 86, you know, and um, I just, you know, came back because I was afraid that, I don't know the statute of limitations for doing stuff that was wrong. I didn't want to be out there no more because even though I decided I wasn't going to do these things, I didn't want to say, well, yeah, we caught you, did this a few years ago, because I ain't no statute of limitations. I just want to get out of there, go somewhere safe, start my life back on track like I knew I was going to be around uh, people that loved me, you know, unconditionally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and how did your family welcome you back? <laughs> just like the prodigal son, they were <laughs> so happy to see me. You know, you would think that, I was a rock star, and the whole time I was out there, I thought they would have been ashamed of me that they wouldn't want to look at me. Mm. Wow. But, you know, that right there, it, it reminds me of this particular poem that I wrote. And if I, I could, I would like to read it. It's called yeah, Church absolutely. Steps. Okay, this poem is called Church Steps. I'm standing on the church steps, a sinner. Afraid to go in, looking for salvation, I heard I find with him. Longing for a relationship with Jesus Christ, you see, because I've been told by many he died for you and me. As I approached the open door, the usher motioned me in. I thought about how long in church I had never been. So this was a little frightening because I knew not what to expect. But I knew to bring some money, because that they will collect. I found a seat on a row all the way in the back, afraid to be noticed, so that is where I sat. The music seemed so wonderful, and the sermon I thought was great. And when they opened the doors to the church, I knew I couldn't wait. I rushed down to the altar and laid my burdens down, and that is where I felt the glory of the man who wore the crown. As tears streamed down my face, I gave Jesus all the praise and gave my life over to him that wonderful, frightful day. And now I usher at the door as the people are following in. Can't wait to tell the story about the day I met the king. And that was wow. from my first book, My Back Poetry. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that was that was beautiful. Thank you. And you know yeah. what's really weird about my life, you know, even though when I was messing up, God kept me, but when I was selling drugs and people didn't have something to trade for the drug, I would tell them, look, if you listen to this 30-minute video uh, and I'll ask you three questions, if you get it right, then I'll give you some drugs. And it was all gospel videos, you know, of one of my cousins who's a minister in Mount Carmel, Georgia. And it's amazing how so many people, even though it was considered to be crackheads, they were very intent on watching that video because they didn't know what I was going to ask, and they got it right. I gave them free drugs. And even though that's wrong, in my mind somewhere, I thought that even though I'm messing up, I'm trying to share Jesus in my mess. Mm. Mm. Wow. That's an extreme case. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Trust me, it's not the first time I've heard a story like that. Really? 
Oh, are you kidding? Um, you yeah. you just have to listen to gospel rap. You'll hear some stories you just will not believe. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, from guys like um, Tadachi and um, Bizzle, and um, okay. it, it's just amazing. Yeah. So you know the young people are going out there right now, and they're they're talking, they're talking some hard stories, and and mm-hmm. they're they're winning souls to Christ, but. They're doing it at a level with music that sounds like secular music. That sounds like something else, but there's okay. a lot of message in there. And um, so, you know, this is the world we live in right now. We have to meet people where they are. And um, amen. You know, and and there amen. has to be a transition point. But um, I, I'm just so happy to hear that you turned the corner and you kept going. And you didn't have yes, to. Yes, God. Yeah, you didn't have to spoil your testimony by you know falling back and and then going forward and sort of mixing up everything that um, you've turned away from in the this new testimony that you have about this new life that God has mm-hmm. given. Yeah, yeah, my God is real. Yes, yes, He is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. So you've written quite a few books. Um, just tell us the titles of some of them and try to give us, you know, a brief synopsis of, of what they're about so that people will, you know, okay. maybe something will stick out to someone and they'll figure, maybe I'll start here and, and check out some of the uh, the works of Terry Lyle. Okay. <laughs> well, all my books, the titles are pretty much self-explanatory from Brownback Poetry, which is about you know, everything, and because it had sexual material in it, that's why I had on the picture a woman coming out of a brown bag because, you know, back in the day when they send magazines, they would have it in brown paper. And then some of the books was called Said Ain't So, Wow, Confessions, Forgiveness, Peeling Back the Mask, uh, Exposed, uh, Said Ain't, um, there's so many of them. Uh, <laughs> it's just so many, but all the titles is about self-explanatory, like exposed, I open myself up, or if I say, say it ain't so, it's like when you hear a conversation and somebody says something, you say, say it ain't so, it's unbelievable, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, confessions is like different confessions of how people got caught up into uh, homosexuality or whatever, it's a book about confessions, you know, forgiveness is a book about confessions. Forgiveness is about this minister back in the Jim Crow racism of the South. It's a true story uh, how he saw some of his friends uh, thrown in Chattahoochee River, you know, killed them because, you know, they were supposed to be quiet. And it's about the Phoenix City story. He was a part of that, you know. And uh, this man is 80 years old now, and today he's still afraid to talk about that because some way he thinks that someone still is going to come at him if he told the truth. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's something. And um, are your books available um, on Amazon and some of the general outlets? Oh, sure. Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, other retailers. But if you go to my personal website, which is www.terrylyle.com, T-E-R-R-Y-L-Y-L-E.com, at least I can autograph them for you and uh, – It'll have something personal for me, opposed to just buying it at a retailer. But yeah, they're all over. Just put in off the wrist, Terry E. Lyle, and you can find me. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Wow, Terry. Um, we have to have you back on again. And, um, you know, um, <laughs> maybe we could just have you come on and um, talk with a panel about maybe some topics that are going on because, you know, the world is. There's a lot of things going on right now. <laughs> we will You're always right. have something to talk about. But uh, <laughs> yes, baby. You know, are are and, you uh, currently working on another project right now as well? I sure am. Uh, I'm working on my autobiography, and it's going to be out this year. And it's called Broken. And like I told my friends, I'm gonna take a hit for the team. I'm gonna be the one who's embarrassed and looks stupid. I'm gonna put it all out there because. Whether you're a virgin and you're insecure about what you're thinking or being mature and you're messing up and and playing against the law, you know, every step of my life, the good and the bad and the ugly, I'm exposing it because I want people to understand that, you know, what I'm talking about, you either went through it or you know somebody who's been through it, so it's not unique. 
and you gotta first learn how to forgive yourself. You know, if you don't forgive yourself, then you hold on to that baggage, and you're not uh, you're not focused because inside you feel like you're not good enough, and you open yourself up to people mistreating you. So. I'm putting it out there. I'm going to tell my story, which is probably a lot of other people's stories, so they can learn how to first love themselves, seek God's face, and just believe and call on him, and he'll be there. But you just got to call on him. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Terry, look, I, I really want to thank you for coming on and sharing, and um, yeah, we, we look forward to hearing from you again. But if you could hold on, too, I want to want to give you a sample of what some of these young folks are doing um, okay. in gospel rap, if you don't know. Uh, this is okay. a young man I've had on the show. His name is Jim Stones. Jim Stones has an amazing story as well. Um, he actually came up. It was discovered by Will Smith way back in the day. But um, okay. then he um, went on tour with Lupe Fiasco, then found God and got rid of everything his clothes, his jewelry, the whole nine. And really? just, yeah, gave his life to Jesus, man. It's just an amazing story. And um, here's one track. It's called Still the King. Okay. Like the track. Here I come, ready or not. Frank Ocean made this record hot. Yay sounded better than Jay. Preach. Real talk, I ain't throwing shots. Certain things I shouldn't say. Bring me to a stop. What other doors could they close? Cats ain't already locked. You don't mind being sold. Cause you're climbing to the top. Careful who you leave stolen. Cause it's a very long drop. It's a very long drop. It's a very long drop. Money finna come to a halt. There's a new world order shifting now as I talk. World leaders at the NATO summit signing it off. Mine died a couple thousand years ago on the cross. Had some rainy day money locked away in a vault. Cause somebody told me salvation couldn't be bought. Christ then became my Lord and Savior as a result. I moved mountains with the faith inside the grains of salt. Look at all this paper, I could pay whatever the cost. I can't find my way to heaven, who would ever have thought? Reminisce on 9-11, all the people we lost. Land on time before tragedy, they knew that was false. Had us caught up in deception over who was at fault. And this electrical class bill told me who was false. 25 years before I'd ever heard of Rick Ross. If this was 1992, that piece of murder was solved. My homie said his uncle told him all the murders he caught. The third, the more he heard him talk, but it was all he was taught. Stores still don't show us love after all we done bought. I reached my pinnacle with a subliminal insult. I'm not a criminal, nor do I understand that talk. So why you speaking in the language that distorts my thoughts? To him that's kin to you, before I catch an assault or give a sense to you. Out the doors I walk, but I'll remember you and pray my heart of source, no frost like I December doing. Pray to God that yours be frost like when the winter's through. But it's more my fault, but even lining up outside the store is more below frost. Took out the tennis shoes that I'm surely gonna floss and walk around on pigeon toe like I don't normally walk. Cause I paid 150 more than what they normally cost. Cause I got mine a whole two weeks for yours, could even be bought. Knowing my rent is due when I'm 200 short, so I've lost. It's hard enough, I gotta tell this landlord that I'm shocked. You know, like tennis do, but buys it even more cause I'm lost. Knowing I know the truth, but eating from the fork of the false. Just like a sinner do, and seem as if the more of the sauce I put up in the stew, the more I get, the more it's bit off. The more I tend to chew, the more I see myself with no pulse. And bomb the chemicals, cause death is the result of it all. Lord, I repent to you for every single thing that I talk, that I pretend to do, that clearly never showed in my walk. That I resembled you, but hinted who was supposed to have been taught, so that they can improve, present the news, and more could exalt, so they can know the truth. And I'm going to add to the cloth, spiritually ridiculed, because I carry the cross. It's funny how you people run up to me trying to insult, acting in vital gospel music as if I'm the one off. Do not confuse it, I'm going to speak the gospel long as I walk, but put no title on my music, no whatever I talk. It's not deluded, therapeutic, about to fix my exhaust, and try to church on Sunday morning in my favorite lacoste. Human beings in the mob, what's the mob to a king? message but it was just all real and then he yeah. just went to his foundation and yeah yeah now and i, and I really, love and, and what's the name of that group again i gotta get that uh cd 
his name is Jim Stones, and you can find him on uh, SoundCloud, and okay, you can hear a lot cool. of his music for free. Yeah, yeah. I actually had him on the show, and um, yeah, the guy has a powerful testimony about real life, the real world. And um, it's interesting because, you know, we, we all need voices that speak directly to the voices that are speaking to our children. And, um, and, and I, I really admire people who meet folks where they are, just like you do, to be able to, to, to talk to them on their level and to help them to understand how yeah. their life can be changed. Because, um, you know, we just can't always get them in church. You know, but we got to build are. a bridge. We got to build a bridge. Yeah. A lot of them are not even in church, but they need to know that the bridge between God and man is Jesus. You know, that's mm-hmm. the real bridge. And a lot of times people don't want to hear nothing you got to say to them if you didn't walk in their shoes. So that is the reason why I take what I've done and I'm trying to save a child, whether it's mentally, you know, or physically, however God want to use me. But I must let them know I had the best upbringing. So it doesn't mean who raised you. You can get caught up regardless who you are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing because, um, you know, when I was a young man, I had a chance to travel all over the world. And I saw people who were separated from, you know, their base, their family, their friends, people who knew them. And without that connection, they could become anybody they wanted. But the problem is, is when they were going through a period of breakdown, when they were acting not like themselves, and when they were doing things that they knew was not really based on how they were raised or the person that they really are, there was nobody there to be able to compare the two because they only knew that one side of them, that side that was spinning out of control. And then that just kept going and going and going. Yeah, so I, I've seen some people implode. I've seen some people just um, just lose it, and uh, it, it it's very sad to be up close and not be able to really yeah. reach people. And I think that's yeah. one of the reasons why I listen and I sort of seek out people in those messages that speak to those people where I know I'm not there now, but I remember how far they are away from the, well, the God. Yeah. But letting God use you because, you know, like you said, you're finding people such as myself and the uh, guy that was on singing a rap, you know, people who've been hurt. You might not have been there, but you, maybe I can help save a nephew or a niece or a son or mm-hmm. a daughter, you know. So that's wonderful because God can use whoever, and he'll get the message out. Whether some of us got to live it and some of us got to tell it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And um, hopefully others will learn from the mistakes without having to recreate. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Well, um, we almost are at the end of the show, and uh, I think we covered everything. But one day we have to just have you on, and we'll we'll focus on one book. Okay. (laughs) You know, it was hard to figure out which one considering. But... uh, (laughs) I know, darling, but I so appreciate you having me on the show. Uh, this is wonderful, and the more that I tell my story, the more that I heal, because even though I feel like I'm healed, I'm never healed, because sometimes different memories will bring waterworks, you know, and I'll be crying, so I'm mm. so glad you give me the opportunity to be here. Yeah, well, and um, I really appreciate you being transparent and sharing your story because it it is a tough one. And um, to show, I mean, it shows that you've healed some, if you haven't healed totally just by you being able to say those things, right? You know, you can tell when someone talks about something that's tragic that they haven't healed from because you can hear the knot in their throat. You can hear the tremble in their voice, and you know that they're still going through but, yeah, exactly. it's good to hear you speak these things with confidence, knowing that they yes. are part of your life that's in your past, and, and you right. have no fear of any of that ever coming back to you. And I'm so grateful that's part of my past. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, well, um, it's been a pleasure, and uh you know, we got to keep in touch, and you got my number. And for everybody out there listening, you know, 
my parting words would be, I don't care how far you're falling. I don't care where you are in your life. Don't get complacent if you think everything is good. You know, get a relationship with Christ right away because if things are good now, the bottom might fall out and you need someone to turn to. Amen. <laughs> you always need somebody to turn to. Well, That's we're going right. to take this out, and we're going to just play one more track with Bizzle and Gemstones. And this is an interesting one because a lot of people are being, um, well, they're not taking the Lord seriously. And um, he speaks directly to those people. And if you listen to this track, uh, <laughs> well, let, let me just tell you who he's talking to. He's talking to, um, to Jay-Z and Kanye, but um, very heavy. This is one for okay. the books right here. <laughs> All right. Yeshua the Messiah is the only well Capable of giving living water unto those who dwell In darkness, and he said we can all sit But now just like Lucifer, y'all wanna sit on his throne as well How you figure you worthy to sit from his holy grail? The only throne you worthy is sitting on's in hell He made you from dirt, when you die back in the dirt you dwell He created earth, you ain't even create the words you sell Take it from me before you meet the Father Whether you Jay or Kanye or just a piece of clay trying to be the powder. I'm not your judge. I just know that when you meet your honor, it'll be too late for you to say or do a thing about it. Jesus is worth more than anything that you can leave your daughters. Money's cool, but reaching dollars never equal peace inside you. How did you think it would feel when you reached a million? The same way you think it'll feel when you reach a billion. With urgency, you search for peace, but nothing seems to fill it. I just pray you don't jump from the building once you reach the ceiling. It's no coincidence. Incidents that out of all of these religions Jesus Christ the only one they ever seem to mention They be like chill, it's just a marketing scheme for selling Since when is it respected to be ready and willing to do anything to seek attention Your definition of real is based on you liking something So now what's fake is only fake until your idol does it And you'll be like, so what, he's rich and drives a Bentley coupe He's a boss, he can do that, you just mad it isn't you Yeah, I know he wore a skirt, but in Europe that is just cool You just mad he has has a lot of women and he's pimping too Next week you be like So what is his business if he's kissing dudes Switching tunes Cause you just as fake as who you listen to Oh yeah now I'm judging huh But when your favorite rapper say you ain't a man Unless your chain is platinum That ain't nothing huh God over money boy We don't come to work to play Oh you thought Christian rap was soft You gon' learn today You gon' learn today Huh Gemstone. Preach! Bizzle was good, Bizzle was good, Bizzle was good, Bizzle was good. I don't know why these rap cats keep playing, but God, they got life misunderstood. And so I pray for them, I even fall on my face for them, hoping they got it ain't too late for them, cause it's a place for them, burning forever that awaits for them. And whoever shadow in the gate with them, see, I relate to them, cause I was once up in a race with them, and on my way up in a lake with them, and forever bake with them, cause I was eating from the plate with them, living like I was living great with them, cause I had faith in them, to wake up living every day condemned, cause you know that's what the way to sin, I was afraid to grin, but come to put me in the grave with me, and the ones in hell that never made it in, that disobey commands, you know the ones that rather praise the beings, that never willing to embrace his hand until they lose. A friend, they grieve for a couple days and then they back to their old ways again because they waver in. We disobey commands, stuck in the ways of sin up in this crazy land. How could you look up in this guy to even say you don't believe in God? And none of it was made by hand, or maybe that's the reason why they found it cool to make a mockery of God. I guess it's just a ways of man. I give him praise and dance because it ain't guaranteed that I'm gonna see tomorrow. No one that today can end. He's throwing shots to God. You say you see it as a rapper going hard. I see it as a waste of pen. Until the base begin, wanted to get in, but I never got involved. I figured I should wait to dance until my face and hands, and I can wake the fans when I can lace some hands, destroy Satan's plans, or coordinate the brand, and forsake the land. Some more snakes can stand in false hate demands for Lord's sake. I'm praying it's more grace at hand Cause your ways and plans I know ways of man If we don't praise the dance And you'll make the sense Cause your grace expands You want faith and lands And two days for bands It's called basic friends I'm off raising brand I push your grace again I force eight to ten I bought nine to mess Jim Stones for life God over money Bizzle was good You already know what it is Woo! Well, we've come to the end of another great show. Special thanks to our producer, Donna Hardiman, and our associate producer, Dante Holden. I'm Michael Fordham, and you've been listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. But before you go, here's a little something to take with you. Ask God for wisdom daily, but know that your lesson can come from anybody or any situation, good or bad, friend or felt. Watch your thoughts. They become words. 
and watch your words. They become actions. And watch your actions. They become habits. And watch your habits. They become your character. And watch your character. It becomes your destiny. Until we meet again, take care of what becomes of you.